The Smart Start Money Podcast. If the subject is about money and life or questioning the so-called experts on the subject, we open the conversations. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This is the Smart Start Money Podcast. My name is Eric Flynn. On the last podcast episode, I shared my recent car buying experience in the difficult auto market right now. I had to order a vehicle and put a deposit down. This podcast, I'll be sharing the conclusion to my vehicle purchase. This podcast episode, I wanted to kind of share the the ending of my, my car buying experience because I have to say I... I'm a little surprised on actually how well it did go. And I think part of the reason it did go well was all of the kind of research and pre-planning that I did to actually buy a vehicle. Now, before I get into it, if you're listening to this podcast before the previous one, I'll put the link um, below in the description of the, the first podcast on my car buying experience. But previously on the, on the last ep- episode, I explained that I was in the market for a car for a while. And although it's probably a terrible time to buy a new vehicle because of the, the, the supposed shortages and the high prices, I really kind of didn't have a choice. And also deep down, I really don't believe that car prices themselves are going to be going down anytime soon. So my feeling here was kind of to just kind of jump in and make the purchase before next year, you know, the same vehicle is another three, $4,000, especially right now with the used vehicles, you know, the vehicle I was looking at was a Toyota truck and used ones, not surprisingly with everything I've read, they are one that's just a few years old. There's not that much price difference between that one and buying a new one, which for an extra $3,000, you can go out and buy a brand new one as opposed to buying one that has, you know, a couple years worth of miles on it. It only really makes sense to me. So that's what I, I went ahead and did. And I ordered the vehicle or that they had one coming in. So I had to put a deposit on it. I got the call a little later than I was told the, the truck would come in. He told me it'd be about seven days and it was really a little bit longer, probably like 10, 12 days, which that's no problem. I wasn't in a hurry anyways, because I would have just factory ordered one, which I did get some resistance on from a lot of the car dealers. Now in my kind of journey here of buying a car, especially with a lot of the car dealers using the pandemic as an excuse to charge more, I really kind of went at this differently than I have the last time I bought a car, I think about six years ago. And I did it all by kind of email, which I found to be a lot easier for me anyways, but I believe the, the car dealers themselves, they're going to have some, or they're having right now, some real challenges kind of overcoming people using technology to buy their, their automobile. In the last podcast, I kind of explained my experience with emailing a lot of dealers and trying to get pricing. 
And a lot of them were very resistant to it. And there are certain types of games, I guess they do play as, you know, similar to if you kind of walk in a dealership. But I did find a few that seemed, and to me anyways, they, they wanted to play less games. Uh, and they just have kind of embraced that, you know, technology's here and it's not going to change. So they really kind of have to work with it. Going back and forth between all the dealerships I did, and I found, uh, you know, about two of them, and I got the out-the-door price, and the out-the-door price is the final price I would pay for the vehicle with tax, tag, and, and title. And that should be the price that I pay when I go in. So once the truck came in and I got the call, I do have to say I was probably expecting when I went into the dealership to you know, get some story on the vehicle actually being a higher price. But I did get it all in, in, in writing and with my deposit. Now, the one thing that I will say is I made an appointment with the original salesperson. When my wife and I arrived at the dealership to pick up the truck, we spent 20, 25 minutes with the salesman looking at the truck and I took it for a little drive quick. And at this point, we needed to sit with the sales manager or the, the finance manager. This is the part that kind of aggravated me a little bit because we had made an appointment. We were on time for the appointment and then we ended up probably waiting about 45 minutes to actually get in and see the finance manager to finalize everything. We finally did get into to see him and the salesperson said, oh, we're a little backed up or a little short staffed. So I wasn't going to throw a stink about having to wait. But I would say experience wise, you know, if you're throwing the kind of money down to buy a vehicle and you make an appointment, they make an appointment with you and then you show up they should probably make you wait a long time. But at any rate, we did go in to see the finance manager. His job usually is to get you financed, which my wife and I did not need for the vehicle. We already had most of it paid and we were going to pay for it. And we only had to finance a little bit and we already actually had that set up. Now I will say my feeling with cars is usually to buy them in cash. But like I said, this situation in this car market we're in is a little bit different because the price between what I would usually buy of two to three years old isn't that much different than buying a new one. And that's why I decided to finance a little bit of it. So we already had that set up. The finance manager, they typically look to to help you get financing because the dealership can make money off of it. But the company we went with, there realistically was no way they were going to beat the rate that we got. And not surprisingly, they, they tried to see what they could do. And they came back and said, well, we just can't beat that rate. So there was really nothing in financing that they had to do. We just had to finalize the paperwork and get the, the plate put on basically and write them a check. So Going through this, I did expect some resistance um, to possibly the price being more, but surprisingly, it did not happen. The only thing that did happen that I did expect was the add-on charges 
an add-on charge for an extended warranty they offered. Uh, I think the price was around $3,000 or a little over for a extended 10-year warranty. Now, I really didn't look into the extended warranties for a new Toyota simply because I didn't plan on buying one. The finance manager tells me that the warranty he was, you know, I could buy the 10 year warranty. It was an actual bumper to bumper warranty. I looked at him and I said, you're telling me that it's a bumper to bumper warranty, similar to the bumper to bumper warranty I'm getting with the new truck, which is three years, 36,000 miles. And his answer was yes. Now I didn't really look into that, but I find that hard to believe. And if someone's listening to this podcast, I'd be interested to know, is it really similar? Because That seems like a long time for Toyota to kind of, you know, put things on the line for for $3,000 to cover everything on a vehicle. Now, I know the wear and tear things aren't covered like tires and oil changes and brake pads, but bumper to bumper, something just does not seem right with that. Now, what I will tell you and why I, uh, because eventually I decided, you know, or not eventually, I decided in my mind immediately not to go with their warranty. One, because they're they're so expensive. Um, Another reason is the vehicle being a Toyota have, they have one of the best reliability records in the auto industry. Now that's not to say anything can't go wrong, but statistically, as long as you take care of it, you shouldn't have five, $6,000 in repairs. It just shouldn't happen. And this is why Toyota is willing to sell extended warranties for such a long time, because they know the majority of people are never going to make a claim or make a claim that even equals the amount of the warranty. So I decided not to to buy a warranty. The other reason behind that is, unfortunately, I don't have the greatest experience with a lot of warranties with them being, you know, worth the the paper they're written on. Because a lot of times what happens with extended warranties is the provider will look for a way to to not make good on it, basically. It happens all the time, not only with extended warranties, but any type of auto insurance, health insurance, life insurance, what whatever it is, any type of policy you have. If there's a big claim, they're going to look to to get out of it. And I didn't feel like sitting there and reading all the fine details either because there's always exclusions and things in these extended warranties and deductibles. Quite honestly, they make them challenging to understand everything that's in it. You know, they just want to get their their money for it. And the car dealerships, the extended warranties, I will tell you, they're a huge upsell. So I decided not to go with it. Surprisingly, the finance manager, he looked at me and he says, well, why wouldn't you want to get a, a warranty? You know, and he didn't push it that hard. And I just kind of looked at him and he go, he said, you know, are you planning on, on keeping the truck long? If, you know, if you're not, it might not make sense to, to get one, which the surprising part of that is as a, as kind of a salesperson, he answered his his kind of selling. He he rebuttaled himself, which was surprising. But basically, I did. I looked at him and said, yeah, I, I don't know how long I'm going to keep it. Uh, so I don't really need the extended warranty. And the truth is, which I told him, I said, we don't put that many miles on a car. 
So, you know, if I'm only putting 9,000 miles a year on a car, that's not a lot of wear and tear for that extended warranty to probably be worth it. If you were driving a car, you know, 20,000 miles a year all over the place, sure, sure. Get that 10-year extended warranty for 100 and whatever thousand miles because it'd be worth it. But for me personally, it was a personal decision and I decided not to go with the extended warranty. Now, I'll tell you the other surprising thing is one of their add-ons for this truck was floor mats. And I had them take that off of the price of the, the total price of the vehicle early in the process because they were charging something ridiculous like four or $500 for mats for the car. Now, I would have thought that, you know, simple carpet mats came with the truck. But when I picked it up, because I took mats off, they weren't in there. And I really just kind of let that slide because then I went home and I went out to the uh, weathertech.com site and I ordered some mats for it for a couple hundred bucks. So I saved, you know, quite a bit of money ordering the mats myself. To be honest, they're probably better quality than Toyota would have given me for the price they would have charged. And that's the one thing I'll tell you with car buying is any of their extras that you can buy on your own if you really want them, buy them on your own someplace else because if you get them from a third-party provider, they're going to be at least probably half the cost, if not more, than paying the dealer because all of their add-ons they're a profit center. Car dealerships, quite honestly, when especially when they sell new cars, there's not a whole lot of profit in it. The used cars they're paying more for right now, but they're also getting some good money for them. And talking to the finance manager at this car dealership, you know, he was was trying to tell me, you know, kind of hinting around, oh, you know, the car dealerships not, you know, we're holding a lot of inventory and we're not really selling a lot. And I looked at him and I said, well, you might not be selling a lot, but honestly, you're selling new vehicles, mostly at MSRP or more. And previously to the pandemic, you know, there were rebates and you were often negotiating a lower price and you're not doing that now. So you might be selling less vehicles, but you're selling them for more. So I don't want to sit here. I didn't tell him that, but I don't want to sit here and listen that, oh, you know, the dealerships aren't making much money. Because it's simply not the case. They are doing well. And just from my experience of them charging and, you know, more for some dealerships charging in a, in a market adjustment for the same vehicle I purchased. And the one quote I got was four or $5,000 more for the exact same truck with the exact same options than I purchased at another dealership. Because at one, it had a, uh, a huge market adjustment in it. Now, that is why you really need to be careful right now if you decide to buy a vehicle. Because I will tell you they, that from salesperson all the way to finance, they're using the pandemic as an excuse to, to charge, you know, some of the prices that they are for these vehicles. Now, I went into this knowing full well that I wasn't going to get some big discount off the retail price of the vehicle I bought. 
But at the same time, I wasn't going to pay a market adjustment and for all kinds of extras and add-ons that, quite honestly, I don't want and won't use. Now, again, surprisingly, with the finance manager, after we kind of went over the extended warranties, he didn't try to sell me any other add-ons. And I think it had partly just to do with some of the responses I gave him. I mean, at this point, I had the price of the truck. I had the little bit of financing that I actually needed already done somewhere else. There's really nothing else to kind of go over. I mean, at this point, you need to write up the paperwork and, you know, get the plate on the car and give me the keys and let me drive off. The only thing he did do that, there's a few things here. The only thing the finance manager did do is he wanted to see the approval amount for the little bit we were financing. Now, this is somewhat understandable, but I basically had a draft of the amount So realistically, you know, they just put in the amount they need for the balance of what we weren't already writing them a check for. And the financial institution that I that I got the little bit from pays them. So he really doesn't need to see what we're approved for. And the company I went through, they were adamant about not giving them that information. Because I think is what happens here is my wife and I were approved for a lot more to borrow than we were actually going to use. And if the car dealer sees that amount of money, well, now they have more money they can certainly play with to get you to spend more. If you do go to a pre-approval process through a bank or something, and they give you paperwork showing the amount you're approved for, but you plan on spending less, I would highly advise you not to give them the full amount of money that you're approved for on a loan. Because at that point, they know that you have more money you can spend and they can try to add more into the price or make it more expensive or whatever else they're gonna do. I honestly think another thing that helped not having much of a hard time in the finance office is my wife and I, you know, we both worked in the financial industry for a long time. So we already have an insight into kind of how the money part of everything works. So there wasn't really a way that they could jerk us around, so to speak, on, you know, paying for things. The only thing he did do is when I ordered the truck, I did put down a deposit, which purposely or not, when he originally wrote the paperwork up, that $500 deposit that was supposed to be subtracted from the price was missing. So could be an honest mistake, but I also give it a chance that it might not have been. So just something to to kind kind of keep in mind. So the great news is my car buying experience was a success. And Again, I would attribute that to just kind of taking time to do the research and reach out to a bunch of different car dealerships. Reach out and get quotes. Because of the use of technology, there is nothing stopping anyone from emailing different car dealerships, asking for the -the out-the-door price on certain vehicles. Now, they will be resistant to 
to doing this. And I think in the future, I'm going to do a future podcast on how to exactly go about soliciting offers from car dealers through the use of email. Because I'll tell you, it was a lot less hassle than going into an actual car dealership. And I know it's difficult for these car dealers to work with, you know, quoting people prices through email. But at this point, they really don't have a choice but to do it. They have thought off the idea of being able to factory order directly from a car manufacturer. And th this is one thing they've, they've successfully fully uh, fought off. You can't just go to, you know, toyota.com and factory order a vehicle and then go pick it up at the dealer. You still have to go into a dealership to order a vehicle. And the car lobbies have fought against being able to order vehicles online. So I personally don't think that's ever going to change anytime soon because the car lobbies, they, they do have a lot of influence and a lot of money. So I don't see where you're going to just be able to go to, you know, Toyota.com factory order a car and have it delivered to your house. Plus there are some logistics to that as far as trade-ins and, and financing being worked out. So I do understand it's, it's difficult, but not even being able to, let's say I don't have a trade-in, I already have financing to not just be able to order a car online. You think that's something you should be able to do in 2021. You know, I can go to Amazon and I can order just about anything. You can order prescription drugs online. I mean, there isn't much you can't order, but cars, factory ordering new cars, you, you can't. You can order used ones and you can order ones with, you know, a small amount of miles on them, which might be somewhat considered new from, you know, places online like Carvana and Vroom. But factory ordering, you just can't do. And I think in a future podcast, that's another subject I'm going to touch on because when I got into the start of looking to, to get a vehicle, I, I just found it really fascinating that you can't order one online. If I want a brand new vehicle, like I said, you can't go to toyota.com and order it and then pick it up. You still have to go into a dealership. And like I said, the dealerships, you know, they're saying, well, it's hard with the, you know, trade-ins and financing. But the bottom line here is when you really think about it, and I hate to stereotype so many car dealers, but realistically, and I think I saw a statistic on this, is they, they could potentially lose about 30% of a sale, you know, so extra money if people could just order new cars online. And that's due to them negotiating and, and throwing add-ons and all kinds of extra stuff. So it is, it does come down to the money part of it, but I'm hoping in the future that there is a way that people can start purchasing cars online. I don't think it'll ever happen, like I said, but it would be nice if it did. The only car manufacturer that you can actually do that with is Tesla. So you can go factory order one online and then pick it up from one of their centers or whatever. I think you can even have it delivered to your house. But Tesla had a real hard time getting that passed where they could actually do that. And I think, I don't think it's in every state, to be honest with you. 
I think the regulations are different in every state when it comes to to car dealers and online purchases, but the car lobbies themselves, they, they've been successful so far in fighting that off in every state. I really wanted to follow up with this podcast just to share the kind of conclusion of my car buying experience, because I'll tell you, if you are someone in the market right now for a vehicle, you're probably hearing all the news of inventories low and there's no computer chips and cars are real expensive. My personal experience is if you shop around and you do the research, you can still get a decent deal on a car. So that's the important part is to, to make sure that you shop around and do the market research on the pricing. You're probably going to pay close to the retail price, but for a lot of automobiles, don't believe that, oh, well, there's such a shortage, so we have to charge a, you know, a market adjustment or you know, we only have the ones on the lot with thousands of dollars of, of extra add-ons. There's a lot of excuses the car dealers are using to kind of make a little extra money during this difficult time with getting cars in inventory. Also, there's a lot of things that they have adjusted to when it comes to technology and car buying. So be careful when you go and look online at car prices. I will tell you there is a little bait and switch with prices you might see on a car lot and prices you might see online. Any car that you're looking for, make sure you do the research and make sure you look up their prices online if you go to see and test drive one. There's a lot of games the car dealers are still playing. And from a technology standpoint, don't believe it'll be easy if you try to use email to negotiate your car buying process. But I will tell you, it can be a much less aggravating experience and it can also enable you to get a better deal. Technology has, has really played a role in, like I said earlier, making it difficult for, for car dealers, but as a buyer, if you use it to your advantage, it can really help. Thanks for listening to the Smart Start Money Podcast. If you like the podcast, please remember to subscribe. You can also visit the website at smartstartmoney.com for articles on life and money. Let me know your car buying experience. Are you someone that's currently in the market to purchase a car or have you made a purchase lately? You can send any comments directly to me at eric at smartstartmoney.com. On the next podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about the average auto loan payment. With my recent buying experience, I started to look into what the average car payment is today, and it really is a reason why so many people don't have much money left at the end of the month.